You ready? Showtime. On May 3rd, summer starts with the fall guy. What are you doing later? Let's drink a spicy margarita. Make some bad decisions. Yes. Audiences are falling in love with the most entertaining film of the year. Fall guy. Fall guy. Fall guy. That's what the poster said. See Ryan Gosling and Emily Blunt in the movie critics say exists to make you happy. Trying to make it out? Nope. Because I don't either. It's not what I'm into right now. What are you into? Talking. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> the Fall Guy. Only in theaters May 3rd. Rated PG-13. This show can be found on Podcast DC, the new local app with hundreds of options in local news, health, and of course of the DMV region. Download the Podcast DC app to hear all the Empire shows as well as the other great content. Empire. Hello and welcome to my podcast. Today, Les Carpenter from the Washington Post and I discuss the vibe at Washington's OTA practice sessions. Les called them boring, but that's a good thing. Find out why. We, we discussed the improved depth, especially along the offensive line, the quarterback position, of course, and much more. You can follow Les on Twitter at Les Carpenter, L-E-S Carpenter. You, of course, can read my work on ESPN.com. I'll have a story up later this week on one member of Washington's offense and what they might do this season. And if you haven't done so yet, please give us a rating on Apple or wherever you can. Of course, if that rating is a one, just pretend you didn't hear this. Before I play my conversation with Les, let's get to a few nuggets of information. And this is more or less just observations from watching another OTA practice. Cornelius Lucas is working with the first group at right tackle. I don't mind that one bit. Let Sam, let rookie Sam Cosme earn the job. Now, of course, you're probably saying, why not just do that with Morgan Moses? Good question. I think ultimately they know Cosme will be starting and they would have then cut Moses in that situation. Revere, Ron Rivera talked about that in the press conference, not directly, but talked about some decisions that are really for long with a long-term view. That's Cosme. I think ultimately they know Cosme will be starting, and, and but it's good that wherever they can hold competition, they are. Now, first-round pick Jamin Davis is working with the ones in the middle, but there's really no doubt he's going to be on the field with the starters because there's really nobody that can challenge him. Lucas can challenge Cosme, at least make it tougher for him to win that job. It's hard for me to say how well Davis is doing. I can see how he moves. He's clearly athletic. Um, the big key year here is how he handles the huddle and calling out signals. So far, Ron Rivera said they've been pleased with that. But we'll see how it develops. There's a long way to go. I think I told you before, but I know some other teams did not think he was suited for that role or certainly wouldn't be this year. But, again, now is when you see if that's true or not. It's worth a shot. In the meantime, they have Cole Holcomb on one side and, and John Bostic on the other. They did this a lot in the training camp last year with Bostic outside before putting him back inside because he was the best guy to call the signals and to run and quarterback that defense. I like what I've seen so far from rookie corner Benjamin St. Juice. Jack Del Rio talked about how having St. Juice and William Jackson III will open up their ability to play more coverages, especially men. I think we've talked before about how it also allows them to match up on taller receivers. There will be much more to learn about St. Juice, but for now, I like how he moves on the field. When in zone, his eyes have been in the right place, and he's always ready to react. 
There were a couple times he was praised today for handling his assignments right, carrying a receiver into a zone and then picking up another guy, entering his area flawlessly. And he's doing that in part because he's he's in the right position, slightly crouched, longing to break quickly and to react well, again, using his eyes right. He was praised for something similar in a red zone drill later in practice. In both cases, the ball went elsewhere, but St. Juice did what he was supposed to do. Again, it's only early June, but you'd rather see him doing that than the opposite. I think this kid's going to help. Landon Collins still is a participating team drills. Of course, won't be doing that till training camp. But, man, he's constantly coaching the other defensive backs. That's a man who is secure in his standing as a player. Not all veterans are willing to help as much as he is. And it's not as if he only talks to those who will definitely make the roster. After one play Wednesday, he ran up to a corner, Jordan Brown. If you don't know Jordan Brown, you're not alone. But Collins saw something happen in a play, ran up to him, spoke to him about what he saw, how he could have played a certain route better, and then he left the field. But he does that a lot. I also like that Ryan Fitzpatrick does this with the receivers. Of course, he's got to get to know him, and this is his way to do that. Here's one benefit of having veteran quarterbacks, and it's something that I was reminded of while transcribing an interview I did with Santana Moss. I was transcribing that before I went out to practice, so this was fresh in my mind. Moss talked, and this is from a while ago, but Moss talked about how different it was playing with a quarterback like Mark Brunel versus a younger player, how he could go back to the huddle and tell him he was open on a play and how Brunel could file that away for the next time they ran that route. With young guys, he said that they don't process it the same. Um, Fitzpatrick offers those benefits as a passer. Often with young passers, again, like with court with what Moss was saying, they might get told to watch for someone. They, you know, they they have the the earpieces and talking to the offensive coordinator or whoever is calling the plays, and they can tell them, hey, on this play, watch for Moss. He's gonna break, he's gonna be open here. He's open last time. It disrupts their progressions, though. Maybe they're watching more for that guy and then not going through their reads properly, or they're not getting through their reads, they're only watching for that guy. They're a lot more robotic with this, and this is the value of experience. Anyway, with Fitzpatrick, I think he's going to offer that, and that's that's a good thing, especially it's something that Alex Smith offered for the young group last year, and those young guys talked about that a lot. Back to Fitzpatrick and a 9-on-9 drill. He made a nice touch pass to Steven Sims just over the corner in the end zone, finessed the ball in, also saw him dump off a pass to tight end John Bates, who basically bided up the defensive back. Couldn't see who was guarding him, but Bates used his size well and made a nice target for Fitzpatrick. Another time, Terry McLaurin got inside of St. Jude's on a route. Coverage was tight, but Fitzpatrick still stuck it in there for the catch. Good coverage, but a nice job by the other two. Fitzpatrick also threw one pick when a ball was behind Deami Brown. Now, Rivera talked about a play where Fitzpatrick talked to Brown afterward, and it could have been that one. Um, not sure. I was looking at something else on that play. But if that's the one, you know, this is the time of the year that you go through all that. If not, we know what Fitzpatrick has done in his career. Anyway, on to the defense. Matt Ioannidis looked good on a few rushes. I know some of you were interested in, in seeing how, his, how he was progressing. I was too. I watched him on a couple rushes. On one, he beat Wes Schweitzer to the outside. And a couple plays later, he splits Eric Flowers and Cornelius Lucas, got through them for a nice pass rush. He, look, he looks pretty good. I watched Cosme a few plays. Saw him stone shocker Tony on one pass rush where Tony tried to bull rush him. Again, Cosme just stoned him. It's funny because you, you look at that matchup now and say, well, it's a second-round pick versus a seventh-rounder. Last year, if that's a matchup in college, it's a pretty damn good matchup. I did see Tony get the better of David Sharp later, 
helping him back, showing some strength. Now, I've only seen Tony working at end thus far. I, I'll be curious to see if they will use him at all at, at, off the ball, as, as some people expected before um, after they drafted him. And the great Troy Appy experiment at corner continues. Didn't focus too much on him, to be honest. And the one play I did, um, he was going to – he was wanted he wanted to jam Antonio Gandy-Golden, but he failed to get his hands on him, and an AGG shook him to the inside. He did not get the ball, but he won the route. I know people are always going to destroy Appy for anything he does wrong and just kind of say you're done with him. I get it. But all I'm going to try and do is measure his progress because he is playing a new position, and I don't know what he can do there. It's new for him, and as I said before, it's a last-ditch effort to see if there's somewhere he can help. So I'm going to see how he progresses. Logan Thomas looked sharp, made a nice grab and a ball from Fitzpatrick that was behind him, reaching back inside for a one-handed grab. Again, he looked sharp. Montez Sweat was back. Montez Sweat looks good. Speaking of Montez, quarterback Steven Montez was a guy I heard people in the organization say they were intrigued by this offseason. Well, he's going to have to dramatically improve, in my opinion, to make this roster. The other quarterbacks have looked fine. Steven Montez has been more off target. He's got some work to do as we move forward. All right, that's it for me. I'll be back after this break with Les Carpenter when we discuss the atmosphere of practices, the quarterback situation, Chase Young, and more. Hey, everyone. I want to tell you about a fun new offer from Monkey Knife Fight that can enhance any sports experience, whether you're at a game, on your couch, or in a bar. It's a daily fantasy sports league that is easy to play. You can sign up on monkeyknifefight.com using promo code JKR and play games such as more or less. Will an NBA player score more or less than a listed point total? You can do the same in baseball. Will a pitcher have more or less strikeouts than a given amount, etc.? It's fun. And every Friday, it's Home Run Derby. Bet on three guys who have home runs that night. All three hit one, you share in the prize pool. Every week, you can participate in their eagle-eyed jackpot based on the PGA Tour. Choose from any sport, from NASCAR to UFC and League of Legends. And of course, once football rolls back around, there will be even more fun prop bets. This is daily sports betting designed for the average fan to use their knowledge and have some fun. Sign up now at monkeyknifefight.com and use promo code JKR. That's promo code JKR. Welcome back. Now here's my conversation with Les Carpenter. All right, Les. Well, I think this was your first time out there seeing them practice. Is that correct? Well, I was there last week. Oh, were you? Yeah. I don't remember. This is one hell of a start to the podcast. All right. Why? That's not the official start. Now here's the official start. So, all right. But were you really out there? Yeah, we talked. What day were you? Was it the rookie camp you weren't out there for? I was not at rookie camp. That was it. I was in San Diego for something else. That was it. Okay. Jesus. All right. Well, let's start over. I got to tell you, technical only is a way, way more professional operation than this. Gosh. All right. All right. All right, Les. Well, now we've been out there for a couple OTA practices. And I'm curious, just some general takeaways so far after watching a few of these workouts. You know, the first thing I thought was how boring it all is. And what I mean by that, that's a heck of a start, I know. But what I mean by that is, you think back to what we have kind of gone through with this team over the last couple of years and, you know, last year uh, with no OTAs and COVID. And then when they did actually get practice, there was 
you know, a new team name that, that had just come down. There was Ron Rivera and his diagnosis and, you know, all the things going on, you know, around the franchise. Then the year before the OTA started with on the first day with Ruben Foster going down and Trent Williams not being there and all these things. And for the first time, I kind of looked around and realized, well, I guess this is what, you know, normal functional <laughs> NFL team OTAs are like. You know, they're quiet and they're kind of boring. They're just they're just practices without pads and nobody doing anything. And it it was, I think, very stark kind of see the difference between the last couple of years and what we're now maybe seeing and what we're seeing from this franchise potentially going forward. That's the first thing that jumped out at me. They, They are building something here. And it seems for once that they're building it without maybe some of the chaos and dysfunction and the craziness that just always has swirled around things. Uh, you know, that, that was the biggest takeaway. It, it was, it is different. Do you see, do you see, how do you see that translate? I know it's hard to get a lot from just watching practice, but do you see things on the field that maybe seem a little bit different because of not that people were just always like swallowed up by the chaos, but maybe the way they practice, the way they move to drills and all that, do you see a difference? Absolutely. I mean, everything is just so functional right now, but that comes when you're in a good place. Not to say right. the previous regimes here couldn't have also gotten it into a good place, but because there was always other stuff going on, it was hard to do that. Uh, you know, I think right now it just, it feels very smooth. Yeah. I, you know, that's, that's come up a lot in conversations, you know, even at different times last year, talking about tempo and practicing a certain way. And you certainly see it right now. Everything's very quick. It's very organized. It's very efficient. You go from here to here to here. Everyone seems to have a pretty good idea what to do. Um, you know, other things that have jumped out at me is, and, and again, I know you've talked a lot about this is speed seems a lot faster than it was a couple of years ago. I mean, Jay Gruden used to talk about, gosh, if only we could get a little faster. We really need more speed here. We really need more speed here. Well, over the last couple of years, they've done that. Uh, the other thing that's jumped out at me that I think is really, really important is depth. Uh, it's yeah. not necessarily the most exciting thing to talk about, but even after the moves that they've made on the offensive line, you can say whether or not these were the right moves to make. They are a good 10 deep on the offensive line, maybe a little deeper than that. Uh, it's something they haven't been in the past. I think you remember guard tryouts twice in, uh, <laughs> in the fall of 2018 during the season. Uh, you know, there's, there's more depth on the defense. There's, there's depth at receivers. Somebody's going to get cut at wide receiver who played a lot of games for this team in the past, uh, started a lot of games for the team. I don't know who it'll be, but there will be somebody like that, maybe a couple people. Uh, there's more depth that, you know, it's some of these other positions. I, I mean, I guess I go back to defense a little bit, but you know, you've, you've got some linebacker depth. You've got a lot of depth in the secondary. We've always seen depth up front, but you look around and this is a team that will absorb injuries a lot better than some of the other teams in recent years. Even last year's team had a start toward being able to do that. Right. Look at this team. This is a team that really could probably withstand, a big injury run if it happened. Well, and I was going to ask you about that too, because I know, you know, during our Zooms, you were talking, you were asking some questions about the offensive line and the depth. And it did seem, I think you're right. I think it kind of goes back to last offseason. And this is where you go back to free agency. It's not always about getting these high-end starters. It's about building depth. And when you don't have that, some of that, you want to get that depth. And I think they had that last year, but it clearly is better. And, you know, I mean, that clear, that, was a big emphasis. I mean, it's clearly right. Well, I think you have to be, and that's what the good teams are. I, you know, because you've got a 17th game now 
regardless of anything else in the NFL. But this is just a sport, and, and in recent years, the injuries have just gotten you know more and more and more. They pile up and pile up and pile up. And uh, you know, I, I I I keep going back to that day where they had guard tryouts. But I mean, you <laughs> you can't be having guard tryouts, you know, for a starting guard uh, on the uh, you know whatever it was October of a, of a football season. You just can't do that. And and I basically had to kind of do that twice. I you. You have to – just look at the offensive line. The offensive line right now probably is from, you know, one side to the other in a starting unit, not as strong as the one a couple of years ago where you had Trent Williams and you had Morgan Moses and, you know, you had uh, obviously Sheriff and Rudy were still there. But you you had uh, – you know, that was a that was a pretty good That's group. That was a good line. But behind that was not enough depth to survive the injuries that happened. You look at this line, no, maybe it's not quite as good a group. But I think that second group could go in there and play and be as efficient as the first group. Uh, you know, Eric Flowers, maybe Eric Flowers won't start here, but he's a very good guy to have to bounce around. And with 17 games, with the way offensive linemen go down today, uh, you know, they're, they're going to need that. And they're going to need that, you know, several other guys as well. And you kind of look at it and you say, all right, they have depth to withstand some of the things. So then it gets back to the chaos because the day of guard tryouts a couple, you know, years ago, that was, that was a day of chaos. And it that made a deep chaos. impression on you. Well, it did. I mean, you know, I, I come back and, you know, after a few years away and, and start hanging around this team every day. And what's the first thing I see? I, I've never seen guard tryouts in the middle of the season. <laughs> but that's the kind of stuff that, you know, you can't win when those things happen. You know, maybe you can sustain it for a little while, but long-term you can't win. And I think that you look, you know, I, the chances of something like that happening with this team going into this year, whatever the position is, it's, it's probably slim. I mean, certainly injuries happen, but it's probably less likely something like that's going to happen. And that helps you long-term, whether that leads to, I don't know what that leads to in victories, but I, I, it makes, it gives you a base upon what you can build. It helps you. It allows you to not have your rhythm or disrupted too much. But it's funny because 2018, of all the things that happened that year, the guard trials for me were a little bit lower on the list. But going to your point, though, there were games where they would, you know, the players would joke about how, like, yeah, I didn't meet this guy until we were in the huddle before the game, and you know, because you'd have four linemen out. I think it was either the Seattle or Philly games that year where it was like that. Um, you know, Brandon Sheriff has had his own injury issues. Even if, if Eric Flowers didn't start, he's going to be needed at some point. Sadiq Charles, same thing. So, But um, with Brandon Sheriff, we talked to him today. He's got the second franchise tag. He says his agent is working on stuff. What, what do you think the future is there for him? It's interesting, and I, and I kind of you know, go back to the injury thing, and you, and you hate to say this because I don't like talking about players' injuries. I mean, you know, in people's bodies and people's bodies, but when someone – constantly goes through seasons and he can't play a full season then you know i assume that probably affects the impact of well how much is a team willing to spend on him and i and i do think this is you know that rivera has certainly shown that he's a guy it's like i want to wait and see about people and he tends not to lavish things on you know in terms of money in terms of contracts in terms of things until they've proven something to him and i almost still continue to feel that there's a little bit of a let's prove this here you want to be one of the highest paid offensive linemen in the game. Can we count on you for more than 10 games, say, you know, I, whatever it is, I, 
all offensive linemen are get, get hurt today. Right. Uh, expecting them to play 16 or 17 games is silly, but you could still expect a guy to play 14 or whatever it is right. and be there for the playoffs. And so I, you know, it'll be interesting to see where that goes. Uh, but I, you know, they have the money. They could have made a deal a long time ago if they were so certain that they felt that this was their guy. And I think I think he's got to be certain too. And I think they've they've made those offers, and so that's why I wonder too is and that's that's a good point too. That's the other part of this is that what's the big holdup with that if they say they want to do business? There's always a holdup, and and there is one, and so actions are speak louder than words in this case. But regardless, I think they'll have a good line this year. The other thing is. Um, We've had a chance to be to watch Ryan Fitzpatrick for a couple of weeks. What stands out? What jumps out at you with him? Well, it goes back to kind of what we've been talking about, about the efficiency, about the ability to just go out there and just, you know, move everything along very smoothly uh, for a guy to just walk in new. And we've seen plenty of quarterbacks walk in new here over the years. Yeah. Uh, you know, he's fit in as seamlessly as anyone, which is obviously the reason they got him. They knew that he would fit in seamlessly. It's not going to be a system that he doesn't know. There's not a there's not an offense that he has in some way played some form of, you know, along the way. Uh, he's not going to be someone who's going to have a huge learning curve with the offense. He's going to catch up, you know, pretty quickly. And you already kind of see. I mean, you know, it's been talked about, but I think you've seen it. I've seen it. You know, him pulling guys aside, yep. you know, receivers, tight ends, like, okay, hey, on this play, you got to do this. On this play, we'd like to see this. Uh, whatever the little things are, uh, you can see him having those conversations. He's already taken it over. He's already made it his. And the guy has been through, what, two weeks of practices here. Uh, so I, when you move on from Alex Smith in terms of leadership, you have to make sure you have somebody like right. that coming in. Otherwise, there's going to be a drop-off, and it's, it's just going to be hard for players. So I, I, I think in that regard, we're seeing what Fitzpatrick can bring. Obviously, let's see what a season is. I mean, there will be ups and downs. You know, you know the whole Fitz, right, Fitzpatrick thing, Fitzmagic thing, but whatever. He is the guy that I think right now that they hoped he'd be. Someone getting everyone to the right spot, being able to throw the ball into the right places. You can make all the throws. He seems very comfortable and confident making those throws. Uh, you know, it, it seems right now like this is the guy they need for this point. And I was going to ask you, too, about that. And you brought that up about the leadership part, because when you do move on from Alex, it's vital to get that guy who can be a leader. Now they're different kind of leaders, but you heard Brennan Sheriff talking about him and just how much fun, how much fun he was in the huddle. I mean, that's, you know, that's an important part of playing that position. Well, there's a lot of guys and some have come through here at times that can bounce from team to team to team and can learn a system and can go out and know where to throw the ball and do the things, but can they bring the other stuff with them? Uh, you know, that's the quote unquote intangible. You always talk about a quarterback, but Fitzpatrick has that. He has the presence. Guys listen to him. Guys like him. Guys relate to him. And it's important, especially this is a young team. This is a team that they're still trying to build on. This is, let's not, you know, pretend that they've solved all their offensive problems. This is a team that still struggled a lot of last year. Uh, I think he can help push that forward and make this team a little bit better offensively. Uh, but you, you, yeah, you know, it's still a growing thing, and you need a guy who can who can walk in and be comfortable with himself enough to know this is what I have to do to help grow the office, to help grow this team and make it better. And I, you know, there's a little bit of selflessness to that too. And there's it's a unique guy, and I go back to 
what Alex Smith brought that those five wins that he brought at the end of last year certainly weren't, you know, because of things he was doing physically on the field. Yeah. He was occasionally able to make a throw that got, you know, a score here, or a drive, like in the Philadelphia game at the end. But for the most part, he was you know somewhat limited physically. Right. Uh, but it was the other stuff that he brought. It was the immense respect the players had for him. You could see it in what they said and what they tweeted and what they, you know, kind of did when they would, would think about Alex Smith. Well, if you're going to, you know, essentially unceremoniously dump the guy, then you better make sure that whoever you bring in is going to be able to, kind of, you know, command that kind of respect in the locker room. There are very few guys I think they could have brought in that would have been able to do that. In right. You know, probably the right one for this moment. Yeah, and I and I think um, you see that the way he deals with players on the field too. I mean, he will pull them aside, but he's not. It's not a berating kind of thing. It's a teaching kind of thing, and it's a getting on the same page kind of thing. But that's a guy who knows how to incorporate himself into a new system, which is also key. So in many ways, he probably is. But the other guy, Taylor Heineke, do you do you think he can at all push him for that job? And, and let's not forget Kyle Allen either. I mean, he's right. here as well. I mean, they both have the ability. They both know the offense. They both spent a lot of time with Scott Turner places. So they know the offense. Uh, they know what to do. They have ability. They can make a lot of the throws. Uh, so, yes, they can push. They can be competitive. I, I think it will be a, a very brisk, uh, mistake-free in a lot of ways training camp. Uh, the you know the, the bigger question with those two are injuries. Can right. they? You know, I mean, look, the players loved Heineke for that game last year. You could see it, but yep. he got hurt. He's gotten hurt in a few times. He's had the chances to play in the NFL. You know, Allen has gotten hurt. He got hurt the two times he had a chance to start last year. Uh, so those things, I think, you know, keep you from fully pushing somebody who you've brought in and spent $10 million for in Fitzpatrick to be the guy to lead the team and run the offense. So, uh, you know, they can make it competitive. They can make it interesting. I don't think they can push them so much because I'm not sure either one of them has the starter ceiling. I know everyone's fascinated by Heineke, but, uh, you know, he's got to show a lot more at this point. Right. And and one game, one game never – makes or breaks a career or anything like that. It's certainly what it did is it gave him a chance to be in this position, which is fantastic. It's a great story. But the other thing with Taylor too, and he was talking about this, that dive he had against Tampa Bay. And he even said, you know, well, if it's a regular season, I probably run out of bounds and we have first and 10 at the two. I don't know that I believe him that he would run out of bounds ever. Because I think there's a makeup that the, that he has, which has put him in this spot. And it's a great makeup. I love the makeup. But I just wonder if he truly would. Because we, I'd heard that with Robert would say that. Colt McCoy would say that. And they always make that little dive. Which, again, I give him credit for playing that way. But I wonder if he does have to play a different way, can he? Well, it's a good question. Because... I, and there's no way to know until we I, get there. Because I've thought about that play a few times. I, I think he had to make that play. I think he had to dive there yes. for that game, for that moment, for his one great shot, you know, and all those things that, that were in that play. I think he had to dive for that pylon, knowing very well he could fully, you know, he could get hurt. Um, so I don't know. I, I understand, you know, philosophically what he's saying. He might be right. I also understand what you're saying. Uh, I think the same thing with Kyle Allen. In fact, you know, 
think of how Kyle Allen got hurt in the Ram game. In fact, it was just watching the Alex Smith thing the other night. I was right. reminded of how, uh, you know, he, he made that dive for a first down, got hurt, and that's, you know, how Alex came in. The next week he's playing in New York. They have that two-point conversion. And I've often thought, looking at that play, and I wish I could get a better angle on it. I wish I could have talked to more people instead of on Zooms because I really wonder – on that play, could he have tried to run that ball in? Would that have been the better play than trying to throw it? But he had just gotten hurt diving the week before, and I wonder if that was in his mind. So that's sometimes I think you can try and take this out of guys, sure. and then it changes who the guys are. I, I don't know. It, it, you know. We can go back to that Giants game forever. I, I still think that looking at it, I wonder if he could have run, dove, whatever, to get that win. But on the other hand... He got hurt the week before, so I don't know. Well, and I know, like, in talking at times to Rivera, Ron Rivera, his thing, and he said, a, you know, whatever he said a couple of times, just it's, it can be different when you're playing with nothing to lose. And in that playoff game, Taylor Heineke has nothing to lose. Lay it everything out there. Now, if you get to the regular season, are you, and if you do have something to lose, does it change who you are? And again, there is absolutely no way to know until you put somebody in that position. And I'm not going to say he can't do it. I just know that it's hard to sometimes change that mindset. And when you do, you, if you, you know, can't, you, you want to, and because uh, eventually they go back, go back to, this is who I am. This is the way I have to play. So, you know, that's one of the things that you always wonder about. Well, and the thing that I think is, I, you know, because let's bring Fitzpatrick in this conversation. This Fitzpatrick is, he's a runner too. Yeah, uh, and he—he's a big risk taker. Yes, he. Know, yes, he is. But he doesn't get hurt, and I don't know why that is. I don't know why some guys are that and some guys aren't. You know, Robert. I, I think he, you kind of go back to the fact that he was, you know, trained also as a track athlete. He was a hurdler. He ran straight forward. He never learned. I don't think the the nuance of being able to kind of turn your body. I mean, even when he got hurt the first time against the Ravens. You know, it was a loading the god of fall, you know, jumping on me. He just he couldn't get it out of the way. Right. Meanwhile, Russell Wilson runs all over the field and he never really gets touched that much. Right. Uh, and I think that's because he was a you know, he was a middle infielder for a while as a you know, as a baseball minor league baseball player. He has that ability to sort of move his body, or he's an infielder. I for whatever reason, Fitzpatrick has the ability to make those plays and not get hurt. And so far, Alan Heineke haven't had that fortune. Right. Maybe that changes. Maybe that's a conditioning thing. Maybe that's a strength thing. Maybe that's, you know, there's certain muscles that you wear. I don't know what it is, but it's something to take in consideration when you're looking at the overall package and could one of those guys be the guy going forward here? And, and I think, too, with like, you know, especially in Heineke's case, that he added 15 pounds of weight, as he said, good weight. Um, so I wonder if the bulking up, does that help him at all? We'll see. And, you know, like I said, with the one thing that's good for him is he earned himself a chance to be in this position. And it's just, it continue he continues to be a fun story because of that. And it's like, you know, it'd be kind of something if he took that next step. But I think Fitzpatrick gives them clearly now what they really need. And, you know. And again, I, I mean, Fitzpatrick could be a one or two, maybe a two year thing here. Uh, I, you know, I still don't feel that whoever that quarterback is that they need going forward, that that guy who's going to take them wherever they go, you know, that next level, whether that's a young guy you're drafting, whether that's a veteran player like Tennessee to Tannehill, whatever it is, I don't feel that guy's in the room yet. I don't feel right. like that. I'm with you. And I don't know where that comes from. I, I think everybody's idea that it has to come from the draft 
you know, it may not be correct. I mean, they're, you know, let's just see how this all spills out. Over well, let's see what quarterback gets pissed off next offseason. <laughs> but it may not even be that. I mean, it may be, I mean, who would have thought that Tannehill would be that guy a couple of years right. ago? I, you just don't know. And you could wind up with somebody who, you know, is perfect for who you are. And we're just somewhere we're not even thinking about right now. Yeah. I mean, and I think, but I'm with like, I don't think there's any doubt that the QB of the future is not yet here. Right. Um, and, but I think if you don't have that and you build and you continue building, when that guy does get here, they have a much better supporting cast around them. And I think right now, it gets back to what we talked about in the beginning. That supporting cast is much, much better right now. And yeah. I know they've talked about the idea of like, okay, well, you know, we can't go out and just go get the franchise quarterback. So we'll go fix everything else right? and then hope that that can, and that probably to some degree will work. I, I, I assume that, you know, if, if they stay relatively healthy, if, you know, that depth holds up for them, you know, if they've made the right decisions and some of the younger players that they brought in that I, I, yeah, I, I can see that that's probably an effective, you know, sort of way to go at least for the next year or two. Um, but yeah, I, that, that, that learning curve, all those other things that come, you're going to have to drop somebody in eventually. And that, who that is, where that comes from, is still, I think, very much. All right, last thing, because we both want to get on a bike ride on a nice day. Chase Young not here. Does that – you know, I talked to Sam and Nikki about this last week. I'm just curious your thoughts. Is, is, this a, is this a big deal, a deal? What is it? I don't think it's nothing. Uh, he's Chase Young. He's, he's the best player on the team. He's the franchise. Uh, I don't see it as a big deal because this is a relatively small OTA period. Uh, you know, he has been in touch with everyone. There doesn't seem to be any alarm. You know, we're, we're certainly used to these things in the past. and We know when the alarm bells start ringing. Uh, I haven't heard us. I guess if he doesn't show up next week for the mandatory, you know, mini camp, then maybe it's a little bit different story. Um, which way right would they now. expected to be here next week? Yeah, expected to be here. I, I have nothing to say. You know, there's no nothing that really says to me that, you know, this is a serious thing. Um, I think it's just because he's such an important player. It's yeah. just that he is kind of for, you know, give or take right now, I'd say he's the face of the franchise. He's, he is their face. Yeah, I mean, he's their, he's their best player. He's their, you know, and I know there's been a lot of talk in the past, oh, or this past year, you should trade him for a franchise quarterback and all this stuff. And while I understand the sentiment, I also think that this he could be the best defensive player in this division. Yes. You know, the most intimidating, and not even just so much intimidation, but just he plays so smart. He's just different. Yeah. I always make the comparisons like they got their Lawrence Taylor. And I mean, I know that's a, those are two totally different players. I don't want to stick that on him right now. Lawrence Taylor is phenomenal. But he was a difference maker. And he was a difference maker in this division for years. And, you know, I, I, and, he, and he just instinctively did the right thing always. Yeah. And I see Chase Young as that. He's that kind of a guy. And, you know, so I, he's very important. Everything he does is big news. Um, that he's not here. I just, you know. Actually, it's giving some other guys a chance, I think, to, to show what they can do. There you go. Yeah, and he'll be here. And here's the other thing, Les. When September starts and he gets his first sack, nobody gives a damn. They, they won't even care before that sack. But but no. when that happens, he's, and if, he, you know. if he's here next week, nobody's really going to care. No, no. It, listen, it's it's May. We're, I, guess, I guess we're in June now. So it's it's something that you ask about. It's not something that needs to be harped on unless – 
there is a reason behind somebody's absence. There have been guys here, as you said in the past, who haven't shown up. Trent Williams a couple of years, years ago, it's, it basically highlighted his displeasure here. And so you knew like, okay, now it's getting really serious. That's not where we're at here. This is just a guy training on his own um, who will be ready to come in and, you know, clearly will be here for a long time. Well, and it's kind of impressive that so many guys have been here. Yeah. For yeah. these workouts uh, when you don't have to be, uh, when we're still kind of in the pandemic to some degree. Uh, and other teams don't have this attendance. And other teams don't have this attendance. And, I, and granted, it's a younger team that's trying to build something. And I think guys get that. But still, I mean, the fact that that many are here, I probably overemphasizes that Chase Young isn't more than it would at a, you know, at another time. Right. Uh, again, I don't see it as a huge thing. And I, and I do, you still get a lot of good vibes from, you know, what players feel. Oh yeah. You know, where they are here and what this can be and what they're building toward and, you know, those things. So it, that all seems good right now. It goes back to what we originally talked about. It's, it's kind of boring. Yeah. But there you go. Way, it's just boring. It's just, yeah. it's not, Boring's it's okay. Yeah, boring. After last year, boring is acceptable. So I'll, I'll just say that. So, Les, thanks a lot. Get out on your bike ride. All right. Thanks, man. I'm Byron Kerr, your host for the Curly W Podcast. Join me on the Curly W for the very latest on the Washington Nationals. We'll give you an inside look as to what's happening with the Nats right now and give you also a chance to visit with Nats players and coaches, present and past, to tell you what it's like and what they hope to accomplish with the Nationals. From Fredericksburg to Nats Park, West Palm Beach to Rochester, Wilmington to Harrisburg, it's all Nats baseball. Subscribe to Curly W wherever you get your podcasts. Another great show from Empire Media. That's it for this episode. I'll be back with another one Sunday night. Talk to you next time.